Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Running Light podcast. My name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we're here in our new little studio (laughs) with the Better Pleasure podcast. And it's been a couple weeks since we've done it. This podcast is to discuss things of the Bible and things of issues of sexual immorality and things of that nature and pornography and stuff like that and how it relates. And um, this week, we're kind of going to just bounce around, do some different things, kind of update you guys on what we're working on, because we are doing some different things right now. We're going to be speaking at some um, pastoral uh, luncheons, which will be neat on uh, their topic that they've chosen uh, in the city is sexual addiction. So they're bringing in different people to talk about the subject. And um, I think I'm only going to have like about 12 minutes at one of them. So I'm just going to touch on really working with people, um, kind of what qualifies you to work with people. I think just touching on that subject alone is probably going to take the time. (laughs) And then um, what's a blessing is they've uh, put me – to uh, teach the um, Hispanic, uh, um, I guess, ministers in town. They're going to have a translator, and I'll have about 40 minutes. So that'll be cool. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. What's up with you, Peter? Me? Uh, right now, I was telling you earlier, we're doing uh, in the youth group, the college and uh, the more the college age group on Wednesdays, we're doing like a foundations class on the basic principles of Christianity, and we're moving into uh, – we're going to start a series um, on sexuality and marriage and love and lust. Uh, so a lot of stuff we talk about here in the podcast, which would be a lot of fun. And, and uh, yeah, it'd be great, you know, for, for me to be able to talk to the kids about that, but also uh, hopefully for, for Bo, for you to join me on a couple of those nights and, and kind of just have some of these conversations with the kids. Yeah. What, what kind of is your goal in, in that? Cause that's a big, that's a big thing, you know, doing a, a foundations class dealing it with sexual issues and topics and but what's kind of what's kind of the goal what are you trying to get out of that yeah so <clears throat> basically the reason why i did the entire series is because uh about about five years ago when i got out of the marines you know being someone who was raised in the church raised around christianity my whole life uh, about five years ago i started like my relationship with god really started to take off and i started taking the setting captors free course and one of the things that really opened my eyes about the course was its simplicity, you know, that the the stuff that they were talking about was nothing like over the top or like, you know, you need a seminary and degree to understand. It was just like really simple, basic truths of the Bible. Um, and what blew me away most of all is that I didn't know any of them, you know, like the, the first lesson talking about God's glory it was blown. It blew me away that I didn't really understand what God's glory was. I had never, I had never had anyone really tell me like, dude, you need to pursue things for the glory of God. Like that's the purpose. That's the goal. Like no one had ever told me that. And I was like, man, that's crazy. I've been in the church for, you know, 22 years and no one's ever told me that. And uh, what I started to realize very quickly is that all the stuff that I took for granted in Christianity, um, things that I thought I knew were more influenced by the culture than by the book. The, the word of God. Hmm. And yeah. so what, what I've been doing in this series with the students is I've been going over just basic truths and showing them what the Bible says and kind of challenging a little bit what the culture says. And uh, 
this is going to be no different. We're going to be talking about sexuality because sexuality was a huge one for me, obviously, in my own struggles with pornography and my own views of sexuality, my views of, uh, you know, what what uh, what I should do with my sexuality. And it always is, is funny to me to listen to, you know, your testimony, Bo, because as someone who comes from outside the church, your views were were very off from what the Bible says. But it really blows me away that my views were equally as off. <laughs> even though I grew up in the church. Right. And it's like, they were definitely, my views of sexuality were like, they're very, a lot of ways they lined up with what you talk about as being right on. And I'm like, man, that's so weird that, you know, a, a guy like me who grew up in the church could have views of sexuality so off, mm. you know? And actually in a lot of ways, I would almost say my views of sexuality were more off than yours. Mm. And the reason why I would say that is because I had wrong views of sexuality compounded with guilt over knowing that what I was doing was wrong hmm. where it's like, I would almost prefer to have wrong views of sexuality and no guilt. You know what I mean? Just think that what I'm doing is okay. But like I had wrong views of sexuality and I had the added bonus of feeling like I was a scumbag for every way I viewed sexuality. So that, that just, it really tanked me. And so I'm, I'm hoping in, in our talks with the kids, um, just bringing things back to this basic level of, you know, what does the Bible say about marriage, sex? What does it say about lust? What does it say about love? Yeah. How are we supposed to view these things? I'm hoping that it, it sets up a good kind of starting point for them to start viewing their own sexuality in their lives. You know, that's good. I, th I think it's awesome. Um, you know, right now in the United States, um, I, uh, you know, there's a lot going on with the issues of pornography, especially. I just got this tweet uh that kansas house votes to condemn porn um and i know texas has a law um we mentioned uh or a bill that's trying to uh go to the floor i guess about um you know pornography being a health issue right now and um so it seems like seems like this is you know a, a, definitely a hot topic um just in general um uh, it'll be interesting to see how the United States functions or uh, does this, uh, how it how it's going to deal with issues of pornography. Um, I think part of us would love it, man, if just like it was like, OK, there's no more porn. You know what I mean? Um, that awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I, I mean, it would be great in in one sense of the of, yeah. of the way, you know. Just how that happens. Yeah. Is the real question. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. You know, and and. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it, it is, it, it's cool, I think, just within the, the church environment to talk about what, you know, love, lust, the Bible, um, you know, gosh, these are so good. Um, I don't think many people in the church um, really understand what they're reading when they're reading the Bible. It, it kind of always blows me away where people don't see the sexuality in the Bible, the overall theme, which is really very sexual. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, it, it blows people away that when you look at the Old Testament and you look up the word seed, first of all, there's there's you know, you're, you're going to get to this idea that seed is talking about actually a man and his semen. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the times, <laughs> uh, Abraham's seed, yeah. um, Onan's seed, 
the interesting thing is actually prophetically speaking biblically which is really cool is actually the first place for seeds being used i think is in probably the second page of the bible or third but it's talking about a woman's seed which is really unique because a woman doesn't have a seed and it's not utilized in that way throughout the whole entire old testament um i'm pretty sure you get you guys could test me on that but <laughs> i don't think it's used ever talking about a woman's seed um other than the very beginning of the bible where it talks about a woman's seed actually defeating satan it's the only time it's ever used this term seed of a woman um like i said you can test me on that but i i can't think of any other off my head um but i do know that seed is always used um, of a man and his and his semen. Um, basically, the idea I think that's always being conveyed is that within the loins of a person of a man is his ancestry. Mm. So it's through his, of course, physically through his semen, mm. um, his seed. Um, and it, but you know, what blows me away is most people don't see the correlation in the new Testament where it talks about Jesus's seed is in us. Why does it use that? I mean, why, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we are saved of incorruptible seed. Peter says, even in, uh, Isaiah 53, Mm -hmm. where it talks about the suffering servant, it says he will look on his seed and he will be blessed. Yeah. So there was even in the, the idea of the suffering servant, that uh, you have him in the beginning, obviously, you know, by his stripes, we are healed. You know, he suffered for our iniquities. Yeah. But then afterwards, it talks a lot, it, you know, it insinuates a resurrection. And it says, and he will look on his seed huh. and he will be happy. That's like his offspring. And his offspring, yeah. So his, his, uh, it uses that word seed to denote a spiritual offspring. So the Messiah, the anointed one of God is going to have seed. Yeah. You know, Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, it kind of, most people don't see that and just go, whoa, dude. I mean, when Jesus is talking about, when or when the New Testament writers are talking about the implantation of the Holy Spirit, they're using verbiage that is very sexual, you know. And so whenever I think of, like, what's going on in Kansas, which I haven't really read this article to know everything, it says the chamber advanced the resolution Wednesday on a vote, uh, Condemning pornography, warning that it treats women as objects, lowers the desire to marry, and can lead to erectile dysfunction. It says it has no binding legal effect. I'm not sure what that means exactly. I'll have to read the whole thing. I guess it's a resolution, so it's not a not a law that's passed, but some kind of resolution. Um, but I always get nervous, though. I always just think, like, dude, what happens if someone does grab <laughs> the idea that the Bible is so filled with this stuff? I know, man. <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, I think it was you that were telling me at some point that there was Islamic, like, scholars, right? Yeah, that yeah were talking kind of... about the, uh, the sex and the violence in the Bible. Uh-huh. And they were just like, uh, because they were actually talking about why the Western nations need Sharia law. And he was talking about how messed up we are. And he was like, I don't blame you. He's like, I go into the Christian scriptures and all I see is sex and violence. And he's like, so, you know, how could you help yourself? And that, that was like the first time I had ever heard someone mm. like point to the to the Bible and say, like, dude, it's like filled with sex and violence. You know, that's what it's filled with. And uh, using that as a reason for saying why 
America's a wreck, you know. So it's it's really interesting that that he would point that out. But yeah, if um, if he sees it, you know, other people would definitely see it as well. And yeah, if, uh, yeah, if, if we did start to ban things like um, like uh, anything sexually explicit or arousing, the Bible would certainly fall into that category in in a lot of places. Certain countries would probably go right on. Like, you know, I would imagine like is a strict Islamic country would probably be like, hey, right on United States, ban porn. And then the next step, ban the Bible, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's get rid of these things. Again, part of me would just be nice if there wasn't you didn't have to think about this stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, like issues of pornography. Um, it says when a person consumes pornography, this is from the Kansas article. Um, when a person consumes pornography, it's like consuming cocaine or opiates. Um, it has a detrimental effect. It messes up the wiring of our brains. It changes the way we function. This is obviously stuff that we've heard for a while. I think the difficulty I kind of tend to have with a statement just like that is that, does that mean sex is like consuming cocaine? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it is. It reminds me of, uh, did you ever see that movie Demolition Man? Sylvester no. Stallone. No. It's, dude, you dig it, man. It's it's a good movie. Really? Uh, but in the movie, like they basically, uh, it's Los Angeles, so it takes uh -huh. place in Los Angeles in the future. So I'd recognize some of so it. So you'd recognize it, man. And like <laughs> right. basically, like he gets frozen uh -huh. in like the 90s. It's Sylvester Stallone, and he wakes up in the future. Uh -huh. And what's happened is like a puritanical movement has swept Los Angeles, and like basically because of you know, all the sexually transmitted diseases and everything like that. Right. Like it just wrecked LA. Right. And so this guy came up and he's like, we're going to ban all physical touch. Right. We're going to ban. So there's no, you can't even shake someone's hand. You have to wear clothing that is not revealing at all. Like it can't show anything off. Right. Like you have to, uh, like even a couple that wants to have children, like you go to a lab, they take your specimen and her specimen. They put it together. There's no sex whatsoever. There's no touching. And that was their solution. Yeah, and that's cool that you bring that up because I've blogged on this kind of issue of utopia. Like, you know, this kind of thing of how do we get to this? Like, you know, you always read Brave New World by Huxley and Orwell, 1984. And I watch a lot of The Twilight Zone growing up, you know, that has those themes in it. And uh, Fahrenheit for four what is it 440 451 451 think, right? yeah those ones um but um you know i always think how do you get there you know sexually speaking yeah you know and then i, I and then i kind of like that demolition man i think you know when there's so much fear and there's so much panic you know you start giving things over to the government mm -hmm. and when the government's regulating um you know sex on this this such a um micro level you know um to the masses um it's like we give up our freedom you know so that they can now control everything yeah you know um and uh you know it, it just seems like that's how you get to the utopian world you know it's like you, you pretty much you you create a panic or a panic or a panic is there i mean there's there maybe is a panic you know, a reason to be panicked, but it seems like you give the government it and now the government's running everything and stuff like that, yeah. you know, which I, don't, I just don't know. But, you know, I, I mean, we've blogged on that, that statement before that it's like consuming cocaine, you know, and it's, I don't know, man. I mean, for a guy who's, I mean, I don't know if Republican Chuck Weber has done cocaine, 
I mean, that would be my question to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Republican Chuck, do you know, do you do cocaine? You know, and do you do porn? He's a senator, so probably. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, but that would be the question, yeah. you know, is like, do you do those things? Because then you would know empirically. You would just go, yeah, I know. Where, you know, I've done crystal meth and obviously I've watched porn before. So it's like, um, and I've had sex before and I, there's, there's a lot of difference to me between taking a drug and getting totally, you know, just whether spaced out or getting hardcore strung out, you know, where you're up for three days and your heart's beating and you're at clubs and you're, you know, music's loud and, you know, your brain's altered, you know, um, it's a lot different than than watching pornography. Yeah. Um, or you know, to me it is anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think some of these statements are just really, really kind of um, maybe not thought through. Yeah. It's definitely an odd, like when I listen to it, it's definitely like an odd argument for me. Yeah. Because obviously these are natural occurring chemicals. So it's like by that same logic, should we stop people from working out? You know, because when you work out, a lot of pleasure chemicals release in your brain, too. Sure. You know, endorphins and cephalins and the like. So it's like, so, you know, if if I'm going to outlaw natural occurring drugs that happen in your own brain, yeah. you know, like, how are you going to do that? It's like determining what's healthy for society and not. Yeah. You know, it's like I understand they're trying to determine what's healthy in society. You know, and I, I definitely understand, you know, the children aspect. I, I mean, I just totally see that when children are... You know, there's got to be a better way to regulate the amount of hardcore pornography there is out there, um, you know, for for kids, you know. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, parental involvement today has to be much more engaged than ever before. You yeah. know, there's another article. Uh, we'll switch gears a little bit. There's another article I read. Um, actually, the psychologist David Lay put it up on his Twitter and um and it was kind of an interesting one. It was about um, a pastor, longtime Tulsa minister, launches ministry to porn addicts after o- overcoming his own sexual addiction. And it kind of it kind of goes with that, um, you know, kind of the stereotypical, right? Uh, you know, and and uh, kind of white, you know, minister, evangelical minister, sex addict. Um, you know, has big ministry, loses big ministry. Um, and it says he was secretly battling addiction to pornography. Um, he was finally exposed before it was over. He had lost his marriage and his career. He left the ministry and went into an addiction treatment program. Um, his mentor there, a leading national expert in sex addiction, told Bartell that he would likely never get free because he had no idea how much work it would take, but he was determined and then he goes on, but some of the some of the things he quote he says um, the gentleman is that um, um, I thought it was interesting is that in the end it destroys a man's marriage his potential to have romance and intimacy and it sets a bar so high that it can never be met. Now that's true in his marriage, that's true that's true within his paradigm, you know. But it's not true within everybody's paradigm. And that's, I think, the interesting part about this article is that this guy's an evangelical Christian. Yeah. 
you know not everybody in the world's evangelical christians yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and not everybody who watches porn is an evangelical christian you know so when he says a statement like in the end it destroys a mar man's marriage what if what if someone says no it doesn't destroy my marriage we actually like it yeah like we have no problem with it it's no big deal because yeah. <laughs> many people it's like coming from my background many people like it just porn is not a big deal for many people it's just it's like oh yeah okay maybe every now and then i view some stuff and you know maybe pleasure myself a little bit in the end yeah you know what i mean yeah and and but this says his marriage and i wonder if statements like this actually are reveal something's wrong with us <laughs> in the evangelical movement yeah you know what i mean yeah does that make sense yeah it does yeah and i i would agree with you because like you know when when we make a statement like that where it's like you know porn like porn's the issue like porn's the enemy mm -hmm. even from even if everybody in america was an evangelical white christian i would still say that's a that's a that's a woefully inadequate statement and it's not it's it's too reductionistic it doesn't it doesn't explore the issues enough because it's, it's like too it, simplistic it's too simplistic because it's like you know is it really porn that was destroying your marriage if porn didn't exist would lust still be in your heart and would selfishness still be in your heart and is that the only issue that's going on in your marriage maybe you know? not yeah maybe not as much maybe he wouldn't have access to it as much or that's right you know? things like that but, and but it's like you know for for me when i look at history and I look at different cultures and civilizations who don't have pornography and what they do in lieu of pornography, having mistresses and stuff like that. And some of them have they they don't they never divorce and they have mistresses and they have extramarital affairs and they go to different, uh, you know, like different uh, shrines and temples and they have orgies. And their marriage like preserves throughout the generation. Right. They've and created they've created a little section of their life. That's right. For yeah. their sexual deviancy, so to speak. <laughs> that's right. And I mean, how common was it even back in 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 like say the twenties, the thirties, for you know rich white males to have like mistresses, and yet they still watch the early movies from and, the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, and then they like and their marriage was fine, like it preserved and it, and it went through. And and the question I have to ask people is like. Okay, so if if me and my spouse mutually decide to have, you know, these areas of compromise inside of our marriage, mm -hmm. can it work? And the answer that I would have to give is, well, yeah, it could work in the sense that we can continue in the paradigm that we're living in. The question that I would have to ask as a minister, the 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 reason why I say it murky it muddies the waters is because the issue that I'm trying to argue is that is that beneficial for a human being not can a marriage make it is it beneficial for a human being to live a life where they treat their sexuality selfishly like is it beneficial for you and your relationship with god and i would say no but what we're trying to do is we're trying to say like even if there is no god this this works and i would say well i don't believe that you know if there is no god then two people who are adults who want to watch other couples having intimacy to arouse passion inside of their marriage, I really don't see something wrong with that. Now, there are other issues that I could talk about of like, okay, well, I, I think that, say, child pornography is wrong, whether or not there's a God. You know, I would say that uh, filming like smut porn of people being raped or molested, yeah. I would say that's wrong, but like, and, and detrimental to society. 
But when you're talking about a godless world, like there is no God, there is no objective morality, is it, does, is it always going to destroy a marriage if we just watch heterosexual, normal porn, you know, and, we, and uh, we're just being aroused or watching opposite uh, members of the opposite sex undress or masturbate, is that really going to destroy my marriage? And the answer is no, right? It, well, it obviously, means... obviously, obviously people have throughout history have perpetuated um, or let me put it this way. People throughout history have been in marriage for thousands of years and we've gotten to this place through much sexual variety. Let me say it that way. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We've gotten to this place. Yeah. And I mean, look at so. look at some of the marriages in the Bible that we look up to. It's like me viewing a little bit of porn uh, once or twice a week doesn't hold a candle to Abraham having sex slaves, like in his tent, you know, with right. his wife. You know, that's not like a little bit. That's not like I got a little bit of deviancy over here. That's like, dude, I'm, I have women that are in my life that I've bought and paid for so that I can have sex with them. Yeah, and that's, you know? that's on another level. Yeah, that's definitely on another level. And yet his marriage with Sarah was fine. Yeah. Now, there are issues that I could point out in their marriage that I could be like, it wasn't good. Wasn't good. Right. It wasn't profitable for them, but their marriage was okay. Yeah. What what any listener that is listening to us need to understand is it's not that not that biblically speaking, God has ever said to Abraham or to any of these patriarchs of Israel that this is the right thing to do. (laughs) Um, uh, On the contrary, it just doesn't say that, you know, but but God, let's face it, God is silent on on a lot of their sexual uh variety yeah for sure yeah he doesn't say nothing yeah for sure when he goes to genesis he doesn't say anything about it and that's that's one of the things that i tell people i love most about god and one of the things i tell the students i hate most about pornography and what i mean by that is what the bible shows you is it shows you an unflinching picture of what if you want to live this way there are consequences and this is what they look like, yeah. right? And it's very clear. You know, you see in the way that Sarah views herself, you see the way that she views her husband, you see the way that she argues with Hagar and hates her and the jealousies and the enviousness and everything that happens inside. The, you see it like crystal clear, you know, yeah. the consequences of living that way and mm-hmm. treating your sexuality that way. But when I watch porn, what I see is sex without consequences. I see people, you know, if you watch a a whole porn movie, which most people don't, but, you know, if you watch a whole porn movie, what you're going to see is sex scene after sex scene after sex scene, usually with the same actors and actresses, and there's no negative consequences happening. You know, porn just shows a a view of you could treat your sexuality how you want, you could live how you want, and there's not really any consequences to it. And that would be what I would say to people is the major danger of pornography. You know, someone viewing pornography and thinking, oh, there's no like if I, you know, view this or if I have sex with that girl, if I think this way about that girl, there's no consequences on the way that I view my wife or the way that our marriage is going to. Uh, there's there's nothing going to happen. Yeah. And if, if all we can say as Christians is it'll end in divorce, that's the only consequence that we can come up with, then that's so simplistic. Then that means that as long as there is at least one couple who views porn who doesn't get divorced, we're wrong. You know, and that's not like that's not the issue we're trying to argue with. You might have 
a marriage that's going to last your entire life. Well, what we're saying to you is that there will be consequences for you acting that way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, I, I mean, I've, I, I mean, I don't want to get too on the rabbit trail, you know, but I think you bring up great points, man. I mean, I mean, especially what we're talking about is that, you know, it's really about paradigms, you know, about worldviews, you know, again, it always comes down to that, you know, um, most of the world, you know, how much, how many people are evangelical Christians in the world? I think Christianity is um, probably, is it close to 2 billion people on the planet mm-hmm. yeah. that are quote in Christendom? Catholic and and Christian, you know, how many of that's evangelical? Mm, I would say maybe a third, you know, of it is probably evangelical, like strict evangelical, I'm saying, you know, because I don't know if Jehovah Witness and Mormons are all put in that probably. I think in a lot of statistics, they are. They are. Yeah. yeah. So I would imagine, you know, you know, and with evangelicalism, you have a lot of functions or different branches too, kind of of that, you know, but, you know, so so it's like you know his that statement certainly you know in his life it was true it destroyed his marriage um his his wife obviously i don't know exactly what he was watching i don't know exactly what it was like um it potentially uh, his potential or his potential to have romance and intimacy was gone i don't know how that affected it right now ed's a big thing um you know erectile dysfunction even though i just saw an article that said um um I was just talking about ED a little bit, um, a syndrome of erectile dysfunction in young men. And it's just talking about how um, porn's not even about erectile dysfunction. Dysfunction has been in people's lives forever. So there's a lot of research going out on that, too, that erectile dysfunction is not just a, 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 a result of pornography. But certainly the evangelical world has taken that and said, hey, yeah, it is. You know yeah. what I mean? And and it's gone that route. But, you know, there's yeah, another. I remember uh, this, is, this is kind of a side. It's just something that I think is funny. I don't know if you ever heard this as a kid, but I remember hearing as a kid, like, you'll go blind. Like, yeah. did you ever hear yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard, like, I heard, like, you know, like all kinds of things. Even when it comes to, like, masturbation, yeah. like self-gratification. Yeah, I've always heard, like, you know, zits. Yeah. You'll get pimples. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, there's just all kinds of things like that, you know, um, that kind of thing. You know, I think what what's sad about this, too, and I want to get back to one of the things. Uh, remind me. I want to get back to one of the statements. Yeah. But, um uh, um, uh, former porn actress Brie Olson, um, um, who's left the industry now, you know, put up a video and I was sharing it with you the other day, but it was about her being interviewed and, and her talking about, she, she makes an interesting statement. She says, it's not porn that, that has hurt me. It's, it's how people view me now because I've been in porn. And, and it's so sad because the, the guy who's doing the interview says, just ask her like, well, how do you want to be, how would you like to be treated? And I, on that question alone, she just broke down. Mm-hmm. She just cried. And she was, you could tell she was just so affected by the question. She, she was kind of blown away by it. Just like, wow, I've never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do I want to be treated? And you could tell she's just in so much hurt. And it kind of lends me to think of, uh, I've been thinking this over and over, what's really seriously, I think, I, I think not good with pornography it's not so much as the sexual act i really sometimes i think the sexual act is not really the the thing that's wrong so much about sexual uh pornography um because sex is sex you know what i mean even though don't get me wrong there is some degrading hardcore crazy stuff i'm not talking about that but um right um 
but it, it, it's it's I, I think more it is just the videoing of it and making what it's supposed to be beautiful, you know, between two people or whatever, even if even if you had a worldview of, hey, you can have five people, yeah. you know, but it's supposed to be within those five people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now yeah. you've opened it up to people that that aren't experiencing what that those five people are experiencing at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you, you know, when you go to have sex with five people and, and that's what your worldview and you think that's OK, you know, you know, you're you're doing that yourself. Like, for instance, if I was when I before I knew Christ and I was uh, in Tijuana and I was partying or something like that, if I was going to be hanging out with a woman, uh, a, a girl, you know, that was me. No one was watching that. You know what I mean? That was me. And and. And and so in a sense it becomes safe because it's just it's just me and that person that's affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. But right when that thing gets videoed and uploaded, and then millions of people watch it, not everybody's experiencing what I'm experiencing in that moment. They're not thinking what I'm thinking. They're not. You know what I mean? There's no nothing there. It's just, um, you know. And that's where I think that kind of detachment with sexuality yeah. with sex yeah there's no context it's just the act that's right it's just the con that's right and when you have and, and see i i might be 17 18 years old in tijuana you know what i mean and so i'm a 17 year old person with a 17 year old person and we're 17 and the context is 17 year old teenagers you know experimenting sexually you know that's the context right and but who knows who's watching that if it gets uploaded you know what i mean yeah. it can be all kinds of people it can be six years old it can be 80 years old yeah. it can be all different situations they're in a different context entirely where we're 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 not married we're 17 year old you know what i mean it's like it, it takes it out of that context yeah you know so even the porn actors and actresses themselves you know they're doing something within an environment and they're real people really experiencing stuff yeah and then and then to pop it out of that context um brings you know to me that's where maybe the real problem lies yeah with pornography they have no consequence i mean no no context no, yeah no personality no no background yeah and people people watching it you know when we watch it even when i watch it i'm bringing my own context into their context and and and, and i don't really know their context you know yeah. what i mean i don't know their heart i don't know their mind i don't know what's going on in their life i don't know all that they do mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i'm trying i'm kind of bringing that to it you know and i i think that's where maybe things get a little jacked you know um um, but Brie Olson, you know, I think my point there was that I, I think her, um, you know, you see how, how when we in the church, it would be so cool. I just thought I was watching her just going, man, it would be so awesome, man. If she could meet, so I wish she could meet me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wish she could meet someone like me and just be like able to, I don't know if you've ever felt that way too, where you've seen like an ex porn star, you've watched something with it and you just feel like, you know, man, you wish they could meet you, yeah. you know? And I'm not talking about those that are Christians now. I'm talking about those that maybe aren't like Brie Olson's not a Christian, you know? And, um, and, you know, it sounds like she's going through a lot and she's been through a lot. She's had an emotional life and crazy and whatever. And, and you could say that's why she went into porn, but, but not all crazy emotional people going to porn. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, uh, that's where she ended up, you know, but, um, but I, 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 it'd be cool just to sit down with her and just be like, Hey, you know what? You're a person, you're a human being, 
you know, and, and it's sad to know that people haven't treated her that way, yeah. you know, whatever backgrounds those people have. Um, but I think, I think sometimes in the church, if we get, if we get too riled up with this, like porn's bad, porn's bad, porn's bad, blah, 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 blah. Then it seems like we can't seem to function in love anymore. It seems like something happens to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where we can't look at the strip club down the road and just go, Hey, those are people too. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just can't do it. And that's so sad. That's sad. You know, just... you read Galatians too, you see that very thing happening in the early church where Peter and the other Jewish members of the church looked at the Gentiles and because of their because of their past and because of their culture and because of the way they acted, the Jews separated themselves from the Gentiles, not looking at them as people. Right. And Paul's rebuke to Peter is so cool, man, where he goes to him and he's just like, Peter, don't you realize that even we needed the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. Like we're no better than those people. Like we we were far off. Like we were brought near by the blood of Christ, you know? And that's that's what the gospel does. You know, it enables me to no matter what someone's background or past, it enables me to look at them and be like even I needed to be brought near to Christ and you could be brought near to Christ by the same blood, same sacrifice. Yeah as me and it, and it evens people out, it levels them out. Yeah. And that's the, that's the danger. You know, I was talking to you about it yesterday and, uh, in our world, what we're trying to do is we're trying to have Christian ethics without Christ. And it's impossible to do because it's like, how, how could someone from the world, it's like anyone from the world, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It's like either a, you're going to look at that person's background and you're going to say like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm above them. You know, I'm above them because how could you not, you know, if you've lived your life and, and you're an atheist and you've lived your life and you haven't done any, anything like that and you worked hard and you went to college and you provided for yourself, how could you not look down your nose at someone like that who's lived their life that way? You know, how could you, what, what possible thing evens them out before you, you know, or you're going to look at them and just say like, hey, you know what? This person, uh, you know, I don't think that what they did is demeaning. I, I do similar things. There's nothing wrong with it. You could look at it that way. But the problem with that view is now you don't have any basis to correct that person or to bring them to a different way of life. All you're able to do is just affirm them where they're at. You know, so either way that the world looks at it, you either have a worldview that's going to produce pride and oppression, or you have a worldview that's going to produce nothing but uh, consistency, meaning if, if you're... If you're jacked up, if you're an alcoholic, you're you're whatever, you're just going to be like that for the rest of your life, and you got to embrace it. You know, only in the gospel do you see something that levels people, puts them on an even playing field, and elevates them above their circumstance. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and it, and it's just man, it's so so good points. It's like you know, but I feel like uh, I just bring up a picture of Brie Olson um, for Peter, um, where she's starting to cry when she's asked the question. But it's um, it's, man, it's powerful, man. It is just powerful, um, really sad. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, man, we want to love people. We wanna we wanna be able to help them out, and we want. I mean, we feel like we have that Jesus can offer women so much and men so much, you know. Um, and and it's. It just seems like when we have this panic and just this fear mode and just this like, man, we just don't know. We don't know how to talk to our kids anymore. We're every, everything just it's almost like 
we move in the way of prohibition, you know, we're just going to ban everything. And, and that's what I, I get fearful of. I mean, myself, I just go, man, I don't know if we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I don't know if we're going the right direction. And sometimes you think you're, you're going the right direction and really you're actually doing going the wrong direction. Yeah. And, um, and, and that bothers me. Um, like, uh, let me, let me go back to this, this article, this one that we're talking about where a uh, longtime Tulsa minister launches ministry, porn ministry. Cause he has another couple things that I thought were really interesting. I'd love to get your idea of this. Um, uh, let me, let's see. Um, he goes over some stats, most, uh, boys first view by 11. Um, one of the biggest myths is that, uh, it is harmless diversion. Um, um, he says the cost of porn addiction is high. Um, um, he says viewing pornography is a true addiction. It produces a chemical rush that can be as powerful as heroin or cocaine. Um, just as sex produces a crazy rush, you know, that's, so I guess, you know, having sex with my spouse probably is an addiction too. Um, you know, something like that. Um, it says once you experience, you want more, or once you experience it or pornography, you want to experience more of it. He said, and it makes more and more explicit exposure to get the same effect. Yeah. You know, what do you think about that? Yeah, which is a, a phrase that we've heard a lot. You know, that's that's definitely something that people bring up a lot. And, you know, um, there are some people that I talk to that no doubt, you know, some people that I talk to, they begin with porn and they do go off the rails and do some pretty intense stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to a wedding tonight of a friend that I met in a Red Rock Correctional Facility where he struggled with exposing himself to, to women, you know, and he started with porn and he, you know, moved on to prostitution and to exposing himself and, and a lot of other crazy stuff, uh, breaking into women's homes and stuff like that. And uh, Which is pretty radical. <laughs> pretty radical, you know, and, and this is a dude that, you know, you know, I'm, God has done a complete 180 in his life and he's completely like he's redeemed him and it's it's really beautiful yeah and i've talked to men like that but i would tell you that the vast majority of men are not like that the vast majority of porn users don't do that um so maybe again in this guy's life yeah it worked that way that's right you know because what me and bo are saying is that even what bo was talking about about context when you're having sex with a person there's a context to why you're viewing porn there's a reason why there's something in your mind and in your heart that you're trying to fuel with pornography and depending on what that is is where you're going to go with it and for so, right and for some people it's going to be it's going to be like um i can't you know i can't get a woman so it could be something like that it could be um i'm lonely it could be um discontented in life or it could be as simple as man i really like that looking at that person yeah it just feels good <laughs> it just feels just, good. i like it i like having an orgasm it feels good you know and, right and, and nothing so, really crazy big deal about it yeah so like for a lot of my friends you know in public school you know we all viewed porn and you know none of them were all like dude like i i uh i was viewing porn the other night and it just wasn't doing it for me so i had to switch to pedophilia you know or i had to do this or I, I never that. heard that i never heard that you know they were all yeah. just like yeah i was watching this porn the other night it was awesome you know and like that's that's the kind of conversations i had 
And the, what I'm getting at, what me and Bo are getting at, is that the context that you bring into why you're viewing pornography, that is the determiner of where you're going to go with it. Not just you're in porn, you're going to go somewhere else with it. Uh, and like I said, this is just it's just too simplistic. Because if you lump all porn users into this category, then it's like, how are you ever going to be able to differentiate between that and to minister to people or to even talk to people that are viewing porn if you're just going to automatically assume this is the context they're coming from? Yeah. They started with heterosexual porn. Now they're into, you know, bestiality or, you know, uh, gangbangs or whatever. Yeah. You know? and, it kinda like... sh and it kind of shows really, I think, a lack of, of today's just porn climate. You know, meaning, you know, uh, you know, you know, porn sites today are are, of course, all broken down by genre and different things like that. And the reason why is because people tend to stick to what they want to watch. Yeah. You know, it's just like Netflix, man. You want a horror movie. You want a, you know, family movie. You want a and, and you tend to go to what you want. And. Most people, I'm sure if you look at all of our movie habits, we tend to kind of go to what we like. And um, and that's how it is. And, you know, I've been studying things like Xfinity, uh, porn on Xfinity for years, Comcast and stuff like that. But even when you look at the development and the growth of porn that is uh, um, distributed, you know, on uh, satellite or cable, you know, you see that it becomes much more, there's certain kinds, there's too much for TV uh, subscription, which is, you know, kind of uh, more lesbian, uh, you know, no male really uh, phallics in it. It's Think more soft core. Soft core. Then it goes into Playboy, which is a little more hardcore, you know, and then it goes into maybe things like Wicked productions and then it'll get into more stuff like what's called uh, different companies called 10 or hustler things you probably people are probably familiar with hustler and stuff like that you know but that are that are more hardcore but you know and and the reason and usually within those subscriptions there's not a lot of variety meaning everything's pretty much the same you can go from show to show and it's just pretty much showing the I mean, it's like, it's redundant. It's just the same thing over and over and over, you know, there's not, it's not like, it's not like within that network, you have a ton of variety. Yeah. That's why you have gay, uh, male gay subscriptions yeah. that you can have because people want male gay, yeah. but you're never going to find in the male gay category things that you would see on, you know, the other networks. Yeah. So it's like people love to eat certain foods and and they have a, a taste for it. And people love to they're all they ever all of us are creatures of habit, man. And and that's in our sexuality too. We all tend to just go you know, for a guy like me, just growing up Southern Cow, normal dude, love to surf, love to hang out. Love to go watch Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers guy, you know, just normal, normal things. Normal. I mean, like what normal would be to me is like, you know, just so, like a girl or a guy, you know, I mean, just hanging out. That would be normal. Yeah. You know, it would nothing, you know, nothing uh, extreme, I guess you would say. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be full hardcore porn. Yeah. You know. Man, I can get stimulated, you know, just there's a lot of things that I could probably get stimulated on. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
doesn't have to be hardcore porn. <laughs> so it's like, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I, I, I see those, the, there's, there's just so many of those stereotypical, bam, you know, I'm done, you know, and then it's like, you know, I'm free from it. So, uh, so now I'm going to offer you how to be free. Yeah. Again, that to me, that's really simplistic, even biblically speaking. Yeah. There's just there, you know, I, I think it creates something in people where like how many just think if I went to food that way yeah. and I went, how many of you guys, you know, there's a lot of fat people in the house today. Yeah. And um, how many of you guys are ready really to be free? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, man, uh, I guess me. Yeah. And you go, man, come to my seminar. You know, give me 150 bucks. We'll throw down. We'll do it. You know, you'll be free. Just do this and this and this. And, and I mean, the church would be all skinny people. Yeah. That was the case. That was the truth. Yeah. Yeah. If it was that simple. If it was that easy. You know, and I, and I love, you know, when you study Jesus, he never healed any two people the same way. You know, you go through all the gospels. He never healed any two people the same way. There was always variety. And there's a lot of reasoning that you can give to like why he healed people certain ways. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what he's showing us, what we need to see is that there's no two people who are exactly alike. Yeah. And so because of that, there is no one formula. There is no one program. There is no one set of rules or set of whatever that's mm. going to that's going to hit everybody. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be fluctuation between uh, what people struggle with and why they struggle with it, the context that they bring to it. You know, so for for mm. one person it might go that way, but for another person it might go a completely different way. Yeah. And if I treat both the same, then I'm going to ruin their lives. Yeah. You know, that's just the truth. I'm going to mm. ruin their lives. I know. It takes you know you have to work with everybody differently. Yeah. You know, I got a question. We got a question from a guy who's newly married, a couple years in, and uh, we'll end the podcast on this question. It's not a big question, yeah. um, but he says, "Hey, during intimacy with the spouse." Um, is it okay for him to um, spill his seed on her? And that was his question. He's from, he, he doesn't want to, uh, um, you know, his thoughts were he doesn't want to mimic um, pornography. Um, and so, so, you know, there's this stigma with him of like, man, I've viewed a lot of porn. I've seen a lot of stuff like that, you know, so it's wrong. You know, what would you say to that? I have my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so personally, like, you know, when you look at that, there's a lot of questions I'd have to ask because it, it's dependent. And and so that my easy answer to that is that not necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say that it's not black and white. There's nothing I could show you in the Bible that says, you know, thou shalt not do this. You know, right. It's not, I don't think there is a black and white. Some thing. people do point to Genesis 38. Right. With a guy named Onan who spills his seed on the ground. Spills Again, his him. seed yeah. on the ground and God kills him. Yeah. And obviously, you know, when you read the story of Onan, the issue of why Onan was killed was not simply because he chose to use a form of birth control, which by the way, that was the form of birth control back in the day. You know, everyone who wanted to perform birth control, that's what they did. It's not, it's not rocket science you know that's right. it, that's a, they didn't right. have condoms right you just you pull out yeah you know, that's what they did yeah so um the reason why he was killed is obviously because he didn't want to honor his family and you could also point to his brother before him who was killed and he didn't pull out 
right? Killed the same exact way with the same exact woman in the same exact context. And the only different, and, and the reason why he was killed was obviously a little bit different than the reason why this other guy was killed, but it, he didn't pull out. Like that's, that's my yeah. point. So uh, there's nothing in the Bible that would indicate that pulling out is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's incorrect. Uh so it's the most natural birth control right you know, out if, there. If you use condoms, that's fine. You know, there's nothing unbiblical about that. If yeah. you pull out, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But the idea of, um, you know, then spilling that on my wife would really depend on my wife. You know, if my wife is like not into it, obviously you're not walking in love to do it anyway. Sure. Um, if if my wife is totally cool with it and she thinks that it's awesome she thinks that it's you know she doesn't mind it at all um and she thinks that that's the best possible way to go she's not offended at all by it then um and and that's something that you do as well you just whatever Mm -hmm. i don't i wouldn't see anything wrong with it personally yeah i thought it was good to hear his you know a guy here's a guy who's grown up viewing pornography and a guy who doesn't want to mimic it and and a guy i think who has been a little um twisted by the um, even by the church's um, rhetoric against pornography. And I, what I mean by that is this, is he's developed this idea that pornography, the sex that he has seen in pornography, something's wrong with it. It's all bad. Yeah, it's, got, it's bad. I don't, I don't want my sex to look like that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so, and because of that, the idea of porn bad, porn's bad, so... Therefore, the sex that I see in porn is bad. Um, then he's trying to do something different in his physical sex, right? So that it doesn't look like that. Yeah. You know. So you could see his brain kind of working here. Yeah. I had to, you know, talk to him a little bit, and and I, and I was just helping him see that, you know, what porn is doing is what pornography is. Is first of all, it's sex. Yeah. It's not like we're mimicking porn, yeah. but it's that porn is just a is just a reflection of what we do. Yeah, it's just a reflection of sex. Yeah, you know, a variety of kinds, mm. but it is just it's that on film. Yeah, you know, that's what it is. So, so it's like it would be it would be odd if like you know, you saw a certain genre of porn, just monogamous sex, and you went like, hey, I, you know, that's porn. I don't want to do that. Yeah, but I guess you can't have sex. Yeah, I guess you can't have sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't do it. Or, yeah, that's what I would tell people. is like, if I if I couldn't do anything that I viewed in porn with my wife, I couldn't have sex. Right. I could not have sex. Because now, and th- this is the issue that, you know, we're trying to get at today, and the problem with the prohibition movement as a whole is that there's an awful lot that I've seen in porn that I should never emulate with my wife, but there's reasons of why I shouldn't do it. You know, whether it's like something, I see something, you know, maybe a little bit violent or super selfish within the porn act, or if I see an orgy within the porn act, obviously I shouldn't emulate that with my wife. So there's, there's a lot of things that I shouldn't emulate that I viewed in porn. Yeah. But there's reasons. There's reasons of why. You mm-hmm. know, there's reasons of why in my heart and in her heart and in what's happening in our bedroom and the context that we have in our own sexuality. And if I don't understand that and I just say anything I've seen in porn is bad, then I'll never be able to weed through that in my own heart and be able to communicate with my wife about that. You know, what's comfortable for her and what's not. That's right. You know, because once again, like everybody is different. 
everybody is different. Yeah. And there are things that my wife is comfortable with that probably a lot of wives wouldn't be comfortable with. And there's a lot of things, right? So I can't. That's right. It's always vice versa. Everybody's different in that sense. That's right. And there's probably a lot of things that my wife is not comfortable with that more women are comfortable with. That's right. And if I'm not willing to have those conversations with her, then sex is no longer a safe place for us. That's right. And and that's what we want to do is cultivate a safe place for it. And so there's got to be some kind of dialogue about it. But yeah, so but if porn is the evil, you know, if porn is the thing, you know, meaning watching porn is the thing, seeing it is the thing is the thing that's evil, not filming it and putting it up. But but the emphasis is on the viewing part. Then we start getting into that idea of like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to mimic it. And I think that's why a lot of the flip, the response in the students and the youth against porn is it affects them sexually so much. Why they're so affected sexually is because they don't know how to work with, they don't know how to just go, oh, it's sex and, and sex is okay. I just got to learn to, uh, you know, have a right heart when I'm going into this thing. And uh, instead of having that fear of it, fear of the, the sex itself, you know, you know, the, you know, uh, answering this guy's question too, I just was sharing him that, you know, the Bible speaks of nocturnal emissions, mm-hmm. You know, and nothing's wrong with semen, you know, in and of itself. Hitting the ground. or <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it hits the ground or it comes out of your body and it's like all of a sudden God's going to strike you dead or, yeah. <laughs> or something or, or, you know, that kind of negative thing to yeah. it. It's, um, you know, it is a functionality of our bodies and God's created our bodies and nothing's wrong with that, you know. Um, so I would agree with you. It's about, you know, it brings up the, the dialogue. You know, that we are so inept, it seems like, to have anymore. You know, it seems like we just cannot get to these talks within the the Christian relationship of a man and a woman, of a husband and a wife, or, or, you know, we just, something's wrong with us. We cannot discuss these issues amongst uh, ourselves, Mm. you know. Um, we hit a roadblock somewhere down the road. Something in us just goes, you can't do it. Um, and so I encourage this this couple, you know, to talk to one another about it, why it would bum you out if you did, and talk through it. Try to figure it out. Try to talk through those things. Just having that open dialogue is everything. Because, yeah. you know, as a husband, you want to please your wife. You don't want to do anything that's going to bummer out so it's like you want to hear why she's maybe she wouldn't want that to happen or things like that and 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 if there's if there's something in her that you see that she's maybe seeing something wrong in what she's saying you want to correct it you want to talk to her more through that Hmm. where i think a lot of times in a husband wife relationship it's just simply like we hit a barrier of porn and then we we can't go any further it's like i don't want to talk about it and we're just so afraid, you know, we're so afraid of what, you know, what it's going to reflect on us, our sexuality. It's just, we just have a hard time talking about sexuality, you know, and admitting sexual failure, I think maybe, you know, of like, maybe I don't do this thing right. And maybe I'm hurt. And maybe, you know, I don't know. It just seems like something's, something's blocking us. A lot of good stuff we've touched on today. It was a great question. Good, yeah. good dude. You can always ask us questions at our Twitter at runninglight.org. You can always check us out on iTunes uh, store for the podcast or SoundCloud um, at Running Light Ministries or just Running Light. 
Yeah, ask us any questions. We hope, um, I'm hoping on this to have uh, psychologist Dr. D David Lay on, who wrote the, the book that is really, um, you know, just pretty radical called The Myth of Sex Addiction. Um, but, you know, the reason why I, I want to have him on is really just to have, to, I think it's just great to have a dialogue mm -hmm. with someone who's not a Christian, you know, has different views in, in so many ways. And just be able to discuss matters, man. I, th I just think it would be so cool for us to have him and just chat with him and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of things he sees that we see too um, and that we're, we're all concerned about, even though we have different worldviews, you know. So um, hopefully um, it'll be a great time. Um, we'll try to get the technology to do it here real soon. I'm sure we will. And uh, it'll all be good to go. So we'll talk to you guys uh, next week, okay? Take care. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.